Episode 84, Kate B on launching four times a year versus evergreen launches. The Online Course Guy Podcast. Regular people are taking their knowledge and content and packaging it up in an online course and they're making a living doing it. Didn't you take some kind of course that covered this stuff? Check it out. It's a good course. It's a good class. Ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready? Here's the online course guy, Jacques Hopkins. Let's go, 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 go. Hey everyone, Jacques Hopkins here and welcome to another episode of the Online Course Guy podcast. I'm bringing you another interview today and it was an absolute pleasure to chat with Kate B of thesoberschool.com and I'll give you a little more details about that conversation and what you can most get out of it. But first, let me tell you about our sponsor of this podcast and that is Bonjoro. With the awesome tool Bonjoro, you can quickly and easily send a short video message to anyone with an email address. What happens is you just hit record in the app, you start recording the video, I recommend doing something like 15 to 30 seconds long, and then you hit finish and send, and then it automatically appears in that person's inbox. The way that I use this is every single day, I'll check and see who purchased my online piano course the day before, and I'll send them one of these Bonjouros, and it's all automatic. So as soon as somebody buys my course, the task is created in Bonjour, and it makes it so so, so easy. You can get started with your free 14-day trial of Bonjoro by heading to bonjoro.com slash Jacques. That's bonjoro.com slash J-A-C-Q-U-E-S. Okay, so my favorite thing from this conversation with Kate B is this concept of launches. And you guys have probably heard me on this podcast before talk about how big of a fan I am of evergreen launches. And that's how I do it with pianoin21days.com. Basically, there's a launch happening 365 days of the year. And the main reason I like to do that is because I like to have my income from this business be relatively steady. This is the main source of income for my family. And so I'd rather have a pretty consistent month-to-month income from this business rather than a huge spike, say, three or four times a year. But there are certainly advantages of doing actual launches a certain number of times of year. And that's exactly what KB does with the soberschool.com. And she is absolutely crushing it with this model. She's doing multiple five figures every time she launches. She launches it four times a year. And it was just a fascinating discussion of why she chose that route compared to the way that I'm doing things. And so if you've been going back and forth with the best way to quote unquote launch your course on an ongoing basis, this is the episode for you. And also, if you feel like you know you just don't know enough about this, you don't think you could ever be successful because you don't have enough information, another thing I loved from this conversation with Kate is that she'll say it herself. She's not some expert marketer. She didn't know everything on how to do this, but yet she is absolutely crushing it with her course. So this is an awesome conversation with Kate B. Let's jump into the full interview right now. Hi, Kate. Thanks so much for joining me on the show today. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. So how did you get into the world of online courses? Well, I have a bit of a random story in that I really got into online courses by accident. I, so I help women to stop drinking alcohol and to feel good about that. And I got into this whole thing because of my own experience of trying to stop drinking 
and feeling like there was no support out there that resonated with me. I was a very kind of gray zone drinker in that I wasn't what you might call a normal drinker, but I also wasn't pouring vodka on my cornflakes or anything like that. So I knew something needed to change, but there didn't seem to be any support out there designed for me. When I stopped drinking, I started writing a blog anonymously. And through writing that, I began to realize that I wasn't the only one that felt this way. There were just lots and lots of other people, women especially, who felt as if there was no support system for them. So in a, to answer your question, I guess I got into online courses because I wanted to fill this gap in the market. I knew there was a demand for this. And um, yeah, it, it's just kind of happened this way. So this blog that you started, is that the same site that you now have today? And when did you start that? Yeah, no, it's a different one. So my original blog was called The Sober Journalist. And yeah, I just just wrote it anonymously. And it was really just me trying to hold myself accountable and make sense of my own thoughts. I guess because I quite like writing and that used to be my job. It did okay. It probably made more sense to some people than some other blogs out there. And so when I came to change career, I left journalism and set up the sober school. It was actually a really good foundation because I was able to go to my blog readers and say, hey, I'm doing this new thing now. And the sober school, it's not going to be about me so much. It's going to be about practical tips and inspiration and help. And they just sort of jumped right over there. So yeah, accidentally, I created a really good base for myself. This is really cool. I just went to, I just Googled sober journalist and this site is still up. This blog is still up. But the last post, it looks like July 19th, 2015, titled Introducing the Sober School. And so that's really cool that at first it was kind of about you as the sober journalist, even though it was anonymous. But then it's like, okay, well, this is resonating. I need to help other people. So then you started the sober school, which more implies that you're helping others. Yeah, exactly. So does this old site still generate any traffic or is it all about the sober school? Very few now. Like the other day I got an alert on my phone to say it was getting a lot of traffic. It had had like 50 views in an hour. So it's clearly not getting many views at all, but just enough. And every now and then I get someone come to work with me and they say, hey, you know what? I've been following you for about, I don't know, four or five years. I followed you since the beginning. So that's why I haven't taken it down really because it, it's still having a purpose and it's a good reminder. Okay. So you start, you start the sober school, you start directing your traffic over there. How did you start? Did you start just like working with people one-on-one in groups or did you go right into online courses? I did go straight into online courses. One of the reasons for that was when I stopped drinking, I had this career crisis and I thought, I'm not happy in my job. I'm bored as a journalist. I was working as a TV producer which always sounds like it should be really glamorous, but it wasn't. And I paid to do a career coaching course. And I'd honestly never heard of online courses prior to that. But I did this career coaching course and I loved it. Like the lessons were so helpful. There was this community element and accountability and you could ask questions and you didn't feel alone. And that that was the first time I thought, you know what? A system like this would work really well for people who are trying to change their drinking and they could be as anonymous as they like, but still get this community support. 
And so I, I kind of sat on the idea for quite a while. And then in this great big twist of fate, I found out about a social entrepreneurship program where they give certain people, certain individuals funding to help them get their ideas off the ground. So I pitched this idea to them and they gave me uh, about £4,000, which I just looked up is Mm $5,500, which was enough to help get things going. And I had to tell them what I was going to do with the idea. And I had to spend the money within a year. And and so having kind of told them I was going to run an online course, I had to go and do it and make it happen. So yeah, I jumped straight into the courses. I've never worked one-on-one with people. Okay. So that's really interesting. I haven't heard many stories about that, uh, getting, getting funding like that. I'm sure at the beginning, getting, you know, as an American, five and a half thousand dollars is pretty awesome because you know one reason people start online courses and that type of business is it's easy to kind of bootstrap it to an extent. You know, you can buy a domain for like ten dollars and sign up for little software packages here and there. But man, if you're starting out and you have five thousand dollars, you can hit the ground running with that for sure. What What are some of the ways you spent that money? I spent quite a bit of it having someone set my website up for me. Because I was really, I just knew nothing about websites. You know, I'd managed to publish those posts on a a WordPress blog, but I didn't know anything else. So someone set it up for me and then showed me how to do it. There was a couple of other, you know, like running costs and insurance. And I, I did a bit of training in cognitive behavioral therapy. And then the rest went on advertising. I mean, it was brilliant to have that money, but I burned through it quite fast. <laughs> yes, you could always use more, I'm sure. So for anybody out there that's listening that is like, wow, that's that's so cool. I would like to start out with $5,000 or 4,000 pounds. Like, How did you find that opportunity and apply for it? Well, this is the amazing thing. You know, when you just think some things are meant to be. I was reading a newspaper on a train. It wasn't even my newspaper. Someone had left it on the seat next to me. And it was like The Guardian, which I don't normally read. And they had this article in it where they mentioned Unlimited, which was the name of the funding body. And I thought, well, my idea would suit their needs. I wonder if I can apply. So I put this application in and it was really close to the deadline. So I didn't think I'd hear anything else back from them. But I did. And they invited me to pitch the idea to them in a kind of, do you call it Shark Tank? We have it. It's called Dragon's Den over here. Yeah. Uh, So it's really, really stressful. But yeah, I would highly recommend that to people. If you think you've got an idea that does have some sort of social value, there are these schemes out there. They're just not very well publicized. Very, very cool. I love that. So you're getting you're getting started and you hire I guess a website developer that's where a lot of your money went. But what about just the the like the course itself? Like how did you know how to build a course and do all the videos and and all of that? By that point I'd done a couple more courses myself, mainly just like personal development ones. So I was getting a bit of a sense for that kind of thing. And for a long time I'd had an idea in my head about what form this course would take. It seemed like really clear to me that there were these different areas that people needed help with, you know, finding new coping mechanisms, ways of dealing with your emotions without drinking. And, you know, looking at some of the the truth behind alcohol, because it's so glamorized and romanticized, it's hard to 
always really understand what alcohol doesn't do. So I'd had a bit of a format in my head, but the course has changed so much. When I first ran it, I did a pilot with five people. And that course is so different from what I do now. I didn't actually do any videos. It was all audio because I was too scared to do video. And there's a lot of text-based exercises. And I just changed and grew based on people's feedback. That's yeah, that's that's really, really cool. So as your course stands today, one one thing that struck me by going to the soberschool.com is it says, um, let's see, if I go to work with me, then it says that the next course starts in January 2019. Yeah. So how many courses are there per year? So I run four per year at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like six weeks of running a course and then about six weeks of not uh, before I go into the next launch. Okay. So, and, yeah, and that seems to work quite well for me because a big part of what makes a course successful, I think, is that this isn't an evergreen course that you can access any time. You're going to be doing it at exactly the same time as a big group of other people. So everyone's going to start the next course on whatever it is, January the 7th. And so everyone gets that lesson on the same day. And there's that sense of making a a behavioral change at the same time as everybody else. Um, And the other thing is that I open the registration for a week. And, you know, we're all human. We need to be motivated by scarcity. And I think my audience in particular, if there wasn't a reason to make a decision, they wouldn't make that decision and, you know, actually get off the fence and join. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. So like with my piano course, I give people lifetime access so they can always go review it. And mine isn't like a four time a year launch. Like people can kind of join any time through an evergreen funnel. Um, but I can totally understand with your topic, the, the community aspect, kind of everybody starting on the same page. But do they also, what kind of support do they get long term from your course? Yeah, so they get the the course, the six weeks of lessons, which is like sober homework to do every day, plus access to me um, either via email or within the course itself. So they can ask questions and get coaching in that way. And then once the six weeks have finished and all the lessons have been delivered, they do get lifetime access to their course. But the the kind of live support from me ends but they can you know, keep going through the material or come and join. the. I have a Facebook group, which is just for graduates of my course. And it's really, it works really well, actually, because everyone in that group has been through the course. So they kind of get the program, but you've got people in there who are maybe only a few weeks into the journey and then other people who are several years. So you've got that kind of mix of peer-to-peer experience. So we're recording this in October right now, and and this will probably go up on the podcast sometime in November. And if your next course is in January, does that mean you're like in a course right now? Yeah, so I'm I'm teaching a course like right now. Um, today we just started, or yesterday we just started week four. So yeah, I've got a bit of an ongoing commitment at the moment. I like logging in every day, several times a day, answering questions and emails. Yeah. And I'm at the point now where I don't make many changes to the course material itself. But yeah, it's a lot of hands-on work. It's definitely not a, an automated course 
where you, you know, take people's money and then don't have any contact with them again. All right. So how many, how many students do you have in this cohort right now? I've got 175. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, it, it is. It is awesome. Yeah, that's not the most I've had on a class. I think January is generally busier because of New Year's resolutions and all of that stuff. But yeah, and I, um, I put the price up this year in the middle of the year. So it's now it's £397, which is about 500 and something dollars. And that has definitely reduced the number of people joining each time. But that was kind of okay because I felt I was getting to a point where I actually couldn't cope with that many people. Like there's only one of me and to have like two, you know, 300 people joining, it was just insane. So I just did some quick math on my calculator. 397 pounds times 175 students. Yeah. Right. So, so 70,000 pounds. And this is just one of four times in a year. So it's safe to say that this has successfully replaced and exceeded your, your income from your previous job, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I never earn anything like this as a journalist. That's for sure. <laughs> how, how good does it feel to not only like be making more from, from your own venture, but I'm assuming you feel like you're, you're helping people directly more now than you were at your job as well. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it makes me really happy to be helping people and also be doing something that is, yeah, like serving me as well. But I, I don't know. I, I haven't got used to it, to be honest. I'm always kind of half expecting the next launch not to go as well. Um, and in fact, the launch I just had for the October course, it went really badly for the first few days. Things were so quiet. And I was saying to one of my friends, oh my goodness, maybe this is it. My luck has run out. You know, it's, it's just not happening. I don't know why people aren't signing up. And then the last few days were insane. Yeah, people just left that decision to the last minute. I don't really know why that was that time. That's so interesting. So what is that launch strategy? Is it just emails or is there more to it than that? I mix things up a bit. So I say, broadly speaking, my strategy is to get people onto my email list. And I then send them a blog every week, providing value and tips and inspiration. And then every few months, there's a chance to work with me further. Sometimes I don't really do a launch. Um, And to be fair, in, in October for this course, I didn't do anything. I just said, you know, the cart's open, here's the sales page type thing. But in the past, I've experimented with three-part video series and I've done like week-long challenges to try and get people kind of fired up and motivated. And they have worked. The seven-day challenge didn't work so well, but the three-part video series really did. And I'll definitely be doing that again over the new year. But I think my challenge is how to keep the launches fresh and different. So I struggle with that a bit and kind of go back and forth in my mind as to what is the best thing to do. Well, that's a, that's an interesting topic because I'm a huge fan of the three-part video series, which is made famous by Jeff Walker, Product Launch Formula. And that's one of the one of the funnels that I teach people to use to promote online courses. And that's the one I've had the most success with with my course. And like if you go to pianoin21days.com now... You can't buy anything right away. You have to you know, join a wait list and it's kind of an evergreen launch funnel going through those three videos and everything. But also if people don't buy, 
then I will relaunch to them every four months. Kind of like you're doing in a way, but I use the same videos every single time. And the relaunches go well. You know, People don't necessarily watch them the first time. And if they did, they don't necessarily remember them all the next time. And it can be daunting to like re-record because you got to put a lot of work into those pre-launch videos. You know that. Yeah. And so I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't worry about reusing those same videos at least once or twice, you know, just from my experience. Okay. That, that is good to know. That's really reassuring, actually. I did um, a three-part video series in the summer. And although I did record it specially and it had a summer theme and lots of summer time references, it was essentially the same content as what I'm going to do for the new year. I'll just, you know, make it more Christmassy and relevant or whatever. But yeah, I, I, I'm interested to hear that because I feel really self-conscious that it's the same material, but I guess other people just don't remember. They're just not paying the same amount of attention. Yeah, that's from my experience. I'm in a totally different niche from you. And with piano... I, I'm I'm imagining it's maybe a little more actionable than your topic. Like they can see something on the piano and they go immediately apply it to their piano and see if it's working for them. And so there's a lot of training in my pre-launch videos. And even if they do remember the video, they obviously didn't apply it all because they're still it came back and they didn't buy the course and everything. And so maybe that's why it works, but I'm interested to hear you try it out. I will tell you last month I tried to do more of a webinar style relaunched to everybody and it did not do as well as those same old videos that I've been using for two years. Oh, that's interesting. What, was that because people didn't show up to the webinar or... No, no. The conversion rate on the web... Uh, yes, 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 yes. I didn't get as many people to actually show up. But the conversion rate for the people that did show up was extremely high. It was like 25% um, of the people that showed up purchased on the webinar, which is really high. But it was a very low show up rate compared to like, you know, I probably emailed 10,000 people and got 50 to 60 people on the webinar. It's really interesting. Yeah. I have bought a couple of courses about how to do webinars, but I'm such a course junkie. I probably own most courses out there, but I've never actually done a webinar, partly because I'm a bit scared about doing it and doing it live and all the tech things that might go wrong, but also because I have a really international audience. I'm in the UK, but only about a third of my audience are in the UK. I have like 40 to 45% Americans on each course. And I also have people in Australia and New Zealand. So somehow the videos just seem to work quite well because people can access them whenever they want. Um, you don't have to be anywhere at a set time or worry about replays or all that stuff. Let's talk about webinars for a second. I think that's you brought up some really good points with time zones and, and having to attend live and all this. I think one thing that could work for you in a future launch is a combination of the two. And that's, that's kind of where I've, I've settled. Because for me and my funnel, people can opt in and then they go through those pre-launch videos and it takes like a week or something. And people don't even have the opportunity to, to enroll for like a whole week. But I've started to give them an opportunity to join a webinar pretty much right away. And that allows people that are excited and ready to join to go ahead and attend and join. On the same note, like the pre-launch videos, those don't necessarily work for everybody. And people don't want to jump in there every couple of days and watch a new video. They want to consume all the content at one time, in which case a webinar is going to be better. 
So in a future time you relaunch, I would try to offer a webinar somewhere in the middle. And it can be like a pre-recorded webinar. And what you do is, is what's called the just-in-time feature, JIT, where you give people like three or four times they can register for the webinar, but one of them is always going to be in the next 15 minutes. Wow. And that's how you get around the time zone issue. And so anytime somebody wants to attend my webinar, they can always register for 7 p.m. that night or 11 a.m. that day, but also they can always go within the next 15 minutes. So right now it's 1026. If somebody's going to register for my webinar, it's 1026 a.m. for me. I know it's much later for you, but they will have the opportunity to attend the webinar at 1030 a.m. And like half the people choose that option. And the content of the webinar is really, really good. It's made a lot of sales now. And so I know that they're going to get a lot out of it. And what are you... Are you sharing something completely different then on the webinar to what you're sharing in the videos? No. It's the same, it's the same content, basically. So, And that's the other thing I wanted to talk about is the content of a webinar, since you haven't really done one yet. What I recommend to everybody is Expert Secrets. Have you ever heard of that book, Expert Secrets? No. Yeah, it's by Russell Brunson, who's the, who's the founder of ClickFunnels, which is like a, a marketing software. You build landing pages and all kinds of stuff in there. The whole book of Expert Secrets is basically how to write a really effective script, really write a really effective webinar. Um, and it's like, you know, to give you a really high level and you know, you want to tell your story. It, he calls it an epiphany bridge story. So, you know, you somewhat told your story at the beginning of this podcast. It's like, what's your story that's going to get your audience to really trust you and believe that you're going to be the perfect person to help them get through whatever it is they want to get through? You know, for me, it was struggling with piano lessons for years and not playing songs that I like. And then, you know, eventually I found this better way and I, I draw it on the webinar for like 20 minutes. It's a, it's a good story. But then you get into like these three secrets, if you will. And it's, it's really trying to break down the barriers to them wanting to take your course and also do the thing that you're offering. Like in your case, you know, being sober, in my case, actually learning piano. What are those barriers that people think that it would never work for me? Right. And so you go through those three secrets, if you will, and then you have like your pitch and your Q and A and all that. But you can also break that up into the three videos because you've got your three secrets. Mm -hmm. You know, each secret can be its own pre launch video. So that's the way mine is. And I've got the three videos I can throw at people for pre launch, but I also have the whole webinar where it's basically all the content in one. And so as far as content goes, there's no better resource for a webinar than Expert Secrets. Wow. Okay. Thank you. That makes a lot of sense. Because yeah, the other thing I just wanted to say about the videos series, which you probably found as well, is that the number of people who watch the first video compared to going through all three of them, I mean, the drop-off rate is you know, fantastic. So obviously, there's a lot of people who aren't seeing all your material anyway. So yeah. Okay. You might have persuaded me to do some kind of webinar. <laughs> it's worth trying out at least. You're seeing drop-offs from one video to the next to the next. It's the same with anything else. Just like a webinar, you, there's going to be more people attending at minute 10 than there is going to be at minute hour 10. Yeah. You know? So awesome. I'm glad we got into that discussion on webinars. So once somebody signs up for your course, uh, they enroll. Like, what, what is the platform that you're using to host your course these days? Yes, I'm using ruziku.com. Not many people have ever heard of that. Spell that for me. There's R-U-Z-U-K-U. 
Uh-huh. So really random. But I chose them just because I'd done a course on their website. And it seems to be, I still think it is one of the only courses that integrates a community discussion board really well, really smoothly, and lets you drip feed the content. And it's it's not Facebook, which is a big issue for my my audience. They don't want to be on Facebook, especially at the beginning. They want public to be anonymous. Yeah. Okay. So people are interacting anonymously in your course? Well, they set up a student profile and it's up to them whether they, you know, use their own picture, their own name. Yeah, they can be as anonymous as they want to. And do you limit the amount of students that can enroll within one course period? Yeah, I think the limit I've got on it is something like 500, but I've never had that problem. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think the most I've ever had was near 300. And that was okay. That was manageable because actually you don't have 300 people asking questions every day and posting every day. And some people go through the whole course without saying a single thing or asking a single question, but you can see they are just ticking the lessons off. So yeah, so I haven't decided in my own mind what is the true maximum that I could have at once. So getting people on your email list is obviously an important part of this process. I mentioned earlier the the kind of wait list here. It says next course starts January 2019. Join the wait list to be notified when registration opens and I can enter my name and my email. How many people are on your email list? So at the moment, I've got 22,000. I've just hacked it back from like 29,000. And the main way I grow my email list, apart from people opting in on my website to freebies and, and so on, is um, via Facebook ads. Uh, Facebook ads have worked really well for me. I have one freebie called How to Survive Wine O'Clock which seems to work quite well because it's quite light in tone. It's not very judgmental. A lot of people can relate to it. And it does seem to, it does seem to pull in the right people. Like I upload to Facebook a list of my most engaged subscribers, my clients and the people on my wait list and just create lookalike audiences for the different countries. And it's, it's scary how much Facebook knows about us because it seems to reach out to the right people. Because my audience, they aren't generally liking all that much to do with sobriety or perhaps not even that much to do with alcohol on Facebook because it's such a kind of private thing and something they might be embarrassed about. So I don't know how the Facebook fairies decide who needs to see my opt-in, but they are getting it in front of the right people. Are you having any help with Facebook or are you doing all this yourself? I'm doing all this myself. I did a couple of Facebook ads courses and a bit of trial and error. Yeah, I, I've been fairly lucky with Facebook, I think, so far. Well, you don't really have anything to sell to people immediately. So how are you able to track your ROI, return on investment from your Facebook ads? So when people subscribe to the opt-in via Facebook, they are tagged within, I use ConvertKit as an email provider. So they're tagged as having joined my list via that particular ad. And then at the end of a launch, I'll kind of add up how much I've spent on the on those particular ads and how many people came to actually join the course. And I think like last time I spent £8,000 on ads 
and that generated nearly £20,000 in sales. So I still do so much better from if I can get people onto my list organically, the chances of them converting into a customer is so much higher. But Facebook ads seems like a really easy way of getting all that traffic. It's just that for me, when I'm spending the money on the Facebook ads, it seems like such a gamble because I am not going to know whether that pays off until several months or weeks down the line. So you're able to spend something like 8,000 pounds and get out on the other end 20,000 pounds within just a few months. That's really great. But also what's great about that is you can still get a little more down the road because you have people's email addresses. And even if they didn't sign up in October, maybe they'll sign up in in January. And it sounds like you're you're still you're kind of tracking that so you know some long long-term results there. That's really cool. Yeah, definitely. It's not just a kind of one-time thing. You've got several opportunities to convert them into customers. And the only thing I would say is that I found advertising this free guide of mine, that seems to be the cheapest way to get people onto my list. But whenever I run ads to say my three-part video series, the cost of that, it goes up by maybe three or four times. I don't really know what the reasoning is behind that, but that has never paid off for me, running ads to a cold audience directly to my video series. So I don't know if I'm doing something wrong there or, or what, but yeah. It sounds like you're doing a lot right with Facebook ads. You know, I talk to a lot of people on this podcast, a lot of very successful people on this podcast. And it's only a very small percentage of people that are, are seeing uh, positive results from Facebook ads for whatever reason. I think it can be extremely effective, but very hard to get right. And look, that's not unlike a lot of these pieces and different things we're talking about, like webinars. Like It can be hard to get a webinar right because you have to know what you're doing. Um, you can't just assume that by hosting a webinar, you're going to make sales. Like You have to know how that, how that process works and the psychology works and everything. And so the same can be said about Facebook ads. So it sounds like you've actually taken the time. You mentioned you've taken a couple of Facebook ads courses and, and maybe just the, the little opt-ins are what's proven to work best. And I wouldn't worry about you with the higher cost with the pre-launch videos. Just spend more on the, on the little opt-in. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting that you're doing this yourself. Um, do you have a team at all working on anything for you? No, I don't have any team at all. I have a couple of people who I hire things out to every now and then. And I've, you know, I've got a web designer who, who helps me whenever I break things. And on the whole, it is me. I am, the, I am doing everything from running the ads to answering customer service you know, queries and coaching people and writing the blogs and just doing everything. It's kind of, I don't know, I'm feeling really conflicted at the moment as to whether I want to continue doing things this way. Because at the moment, you know, I don't have any kids. I have a lot of free time. I don't have any other jobs. You know, so during the busy periods, like during my launches, I can work all day if needs be. But yeah, I would kind of like some help, but I'm scared of having people come in to help me in case they don't do it exactly how I want to. So That's always the challenge for sure. But the one thing I'll tell you on that is... By having people work on things that maybe aren't your strength and aren't what you want to do, it allows you to be able to spend more time on the more time on the things you're best at. You can just serve your, your audience even better by having a team work on some of those things. Yeah, definitely. 
But once again, you're crushing it. So, you know, take my advice with a grain of salt. So we are about out of time, Kate. I really appreciate you coming on the show today. This has been a really fun conversation. Um, but I really would love to hear what advice you might have for somebody that's just starting out. They have an idea like you had on a way they can help people and teach people something, but don't know the first thing about online courses, don't know where to start. What advice do you have for that for those people? I would say, yeah, invest in one course or something that is going to help you get up and running. Because I can completely relate to that when you just don't know anything. You don't know how to start a website. You don't know how to put one foot in front of the other. So you do need some guidance. And yeah, I would would definitely recommend um, investing in yourself in that way. But the main advice I would say is just to do it and just to get started. And I think I was lucky because I had that funding that I had someone pushing me on in the beginning saying, okay, have you done that thing you said you were going to do? And all the times when I wanted to hesitate and not put something out there because it wasn't perfect, well, I just had to overcome that and do that. And when I look back on the early things I did, like the first version of my course, my first sales page, it's so painfully awful. It makes me want to cry. It's just terrible. But at least I did it and I got it out there and I've improved it. So just doing it is probably the best thing because you aren't going to figure anything out by just thinking about it. KateBTheSoberSchool.com. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. All right, that's going to do it for another episode of the Online Course Guy podcast. Thank you so much to KB for joining me on this episode. And you listening out there can find all the detailed show notes with everything we talked about and any links that were mentioned by going to theonlinecourseguy.com slash 84. Once again, let me mention the sponsor of this podcast, and that is Bonjoro.com. You can get a free 14-day trial right now by heading to Bonjoro.com slash Jacques. And if you are ready to start your online course business, or you have one already and you want to take it to the next level, whether that's increasing sales, increasing revenue, increasing profit, or decreasing the amount of time that you spend on your online course business. I've got the perfect thing for you. It's my free online course workshop. You can get that right now at theonlinecourseguy.com. That's going to do it for this episode. Stay tuned. There's more Online Course Guy podcasts coming at you real soon.